What are you afraid of? That's what we're talking about today. What are you afraid of? What makes you anxious? What causes you to be concerned? And then, and not only that, but what do you do when you're afraid? Well, what are your go-tos when you're afraid? In your mind, every one of us has these places that we go to when we're afraid. Where do you go? How do you handle the fear that is the challenge that is a part of our lives? That, that's what I want to talk about this morning as we go to this next song. The next part of the King's Playlist today is uh, Psalm number 26. And Psalm number 26, I'm going to call it the fear song. You know? Psalm 27, I lied. Okay? So, um, so let's, let's, let's look together in God's Word today as we take a look at this, this thing that he starts with a declaration and that he ends with a plea. But he starts here and he says this, The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is, my, is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? He starts in an interesting place by talking about just some ways that he views God. First of all, he views God as his light. Now, in our society today where we live with lights that automatically turn on at night and car lights that are on everywhere, we don't have this concept. But if you've ever been out in the woods, there aren't many light poles out in the woods. And the darkness of the woods gets pretty dark, doesn't it? Uh, I have a friends that used to invite kids from the inner city to come and stay at their house in the country. And there were a couple of things that were just really interesting about them. First of all, they wouldn't walk on the grass because grass was special. And you don't walk on the grass. But the other thing is, is they didn't like night. They had never experienced that kind of darkness living in the inner city. All they knew was street lights and floodlights and security lights. Remember when we studied Psalm 119? What did he say that God was? He was the light of his path. And so there was this sense that he realized that when God comes into the room, that all of a sudden the chaos changes somewhat into order, and we can begin seeing. And so it was a part of what he saw, but it was more than that. He said, he's my salvation. Every once in a while, have you ever been in a situation where it didn't go well, and all of a sudden you realized you kind of needed a salvation? I remember years ago working at Florida Bible, I was putting together my first missions trip, I was crunching the numbers, I was crunching the numbers, I was crunching the numbers, and I thought I had it all together, and and we came about three weeks before the trip, and I realized I had miscalculated and I was going to be off by several thousand dollars. And I was like, what, what do I do? And so finally, about 10 days before the trip, I humbly went to my boss and I said, hey, look, this is what's going on. And all he said was this, why didn't you come earlier? How many weeks have you worried about this? You know, I think there are times in our lives that when we're struggling with fear and anxiety, 
that we, we, we don't take it to the Lord soon enough. You know what I'm talking about? And his first response is, why didn't you show up sooner? I love saving you. I, I love being your help. I love being that part of your life. And so I, I think that we need to remember that this is what he was declaring. That God was his light, he was salvation, and because of that he wasn't going to fear. But the Lord was the stronghold of my life. God was his refuge. You know, when I was thinking about this, uh, I remembered watching a movie as a child about Corey Tinboom. Did you ever watch that movie, The Hiding Place? And there was a song that came out of that from one of the Psalms. You are my hiding place. You always fill my life with songs of deliverance. Whenever I'm afraid, I will trust in you. And so he, he starts Psalm 27 with a declaration, a wonderful declaration. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? And then he starts giving the details. The first detail he gives is this. When evildoers assail me to eat my flesh, my adversaries and my foes, it is they who stumble and fall. He's remembering what's happened in the past. He can remember when people were diligently pursuing him and they ended up being the ones that stumbled. Do you think maybe he was thinking about when Saul was pursuing him? And he would over and over again be in a situation where Saul would have to realize that he was not in a good position. Remember being in the cave and in Getty? But he remembered. You know, one of the things that I think that happens to us, that when we're afraid or when we're in a bad situation, when we're walking a little bit to the edge, you know what I'm talking about, and our feet are over the edge and we've, we've talked ourselves to the edge, I think we forget, don't we? And yet God is calling us to remember. And so that was the first thing that he remembered. In verse 3 it goes on and it says this, it says, Though an army encamped against me, my heart will not fear. I think he was thinking back to the moment when the whole army of the Philistines was encamped. And there was this giant named Goliath. And David came into the camp thinking very differently than the rest of the army, didn't he? He came in thinking, these people are messing with my God. What are they thinking? You know, there's the story of the little girl. It says, what do you do when you're afraid and you feel like something's knocking on your door? The girl says, well, it's real simple. I just ask Jesus to answer it. But I think that there are these times that we need to realize that even in the midst of being with our enemies, and some of you guys in your jobs, maybe in your families, you feel like you are right there in the midst of the enemy all the time. And yet, David declared that even in the midst of the armies and enemies and foes, he would not be afraid. The last phrase says this in, that, in, in 3. It says this, it says, Though an army encamp against me, my heart will not fear. Though war rises up against me, 
yet will I be confident. You know, I struggle with this at times, don't you? Being confident. I can declare the things, and I can feel really good about them, and then all of a sudden somebody will make, I, I got a text this morning at 6.30, somebody said they were praying for me, but at the end of it, they made this comment. And all of a sudden, instead of feeling confident, I spent a good 45 minutes thinking about a sentence that somebody gave. And I said, you know, you know how you do that? And instead of being confident that God is God in my life and I am completely okay, all of a sudden I'm like, I wonder why they said that. I wonder what somebody, you know how you go there? But David knew this was his reality. I, I, I've said it before again and again. I think that there are times something that we need to have a list somewhere. So when things get hard and we get a little bit anxious and we're a little bit afraid, we can go back to the list and say, wait a minute, you've already done this. And you've already done this. And you've already been this. And I've already experienced this. And so even though I don't like the situation I'm in, even though it's a little bit combative, even though I don't really feel like wearing the armor today, you know what I'm saying? I'm not going to be afraid. It's interesting in Ephesians, what does it say? And when you've done everything else, what are you supposed to do? Six, you're supposed to stand. It's not be afraid. He goes on and he talks about wanting to be in the safest place. He says, one thing I have asked of the Lord, and that is what I seek after. He says, you know, there's this one thing that I want more than anything else. I want to be in this, the safest place. That's what I want. He goes on and describes that in the next verse, and he says this. He says, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord, and to inquire in his temple. You know, I don't know where your safest places are. But I hope that this room, I, I hope that this altar are incredibly safe places for you. In fact, I, I pray that in your life that you have this inner life and you realize that the Spirit of God lives in you and that God is your safest place. He's your go-to you know what I'm saying? That when, when you need comfort, when things are hard, he's the go-to. Several years ago, I went through this process where I was sitting down with a counselor and learning some things about myself, and I found that my greatest need in life was comfort. And that I had some poor habits to overcome because I was seeking something other than the temple of God as my comfort. And some of even the, the people that were closest to me, there were times that instead of caring for them and loving them, I was using them because I needed them to be something for me. And I bought into the lie that something else was my comfort. I, I don't know what picture you need to have. I, I don't know what place you need to visualize. But for me, the greatest place of comfort in my life, a physical place, was the tree nursery that my grandparents owned. And 
that was my safest place. And on the, in, in, in that property, if I were to be even more honest, the safest, safest place on that property was in the upstairs of my, my aunt and uncle's house, in, the, in the, the cot that they'd let me sleep on when I visited. Is that crazy? But every one of you, you can describe something like that. And somehow we need to connect all the feelings that we have there to our God. And realize that He can be the safest place in His life. And so His greatest desire was to be in the place of worship. So that He could be blown away by the beauty of God. I hope that as you worship today, there were just certain phrases that we sang, that when we sang, in my heart, all I could do is go, wow. Wow, look at that. That's an interesting picture of God. To see His beauty and to inquire in His temple. That's why... Jesus Christ, when he went into the temple and it had turned into a marketplace, what did he say? What was his greatest frustration? That you have turned the house of God into something other than what it's supposed to be, which is a house of prayer for all nations. So we need to sneak away to that attic of our Christian experience, that safe place with God. So we can speak to him out of the honesty of our hearts and listen to his hope. In verse 5 he says, He will hide me in the shelter in the day of trouble. He will conceal me under the cover of his tent and he will lift me up high upon a rock. And so you see these different pictures of things that he wanted on that day of trouble. First of all, he wanted someone to comfort him, to hide him. You know, the other times that you see the same picture in Scripture is when it talks about God tucking us in under his wing. You know, there are certain times that you just need a God hug. You know, you need to know that somehow he reaches through time and space and you've experienced it before haven't you where all of a sudden you're in the midst of something and god will just break through that barrier that seems to exist between heaven and earth and he'll break through that barrier and you will be surprised by something someone says the way someone shows up at just the right time have you ever had that experience all of a sudden, the phone will ring at the right time. And do you know what's the most amazing thing about that? Is we get to do it, too. Have you ever felt that comfort the Lord that's supposed to do something, and you call somebody up, and they're like, man, how did you know to call them? This week in the body here, Nancy sensed that we were supposed to go and pray for Richard at his house. And so we headed over to his house. And I, the day before, I contacted Sandy, and, I, and this is what she said. You know, that would be really special because tomorrow is Richard's 70th birthday. And so there there were the three of us that gathered together and prayed in his driveway because he can't have people in the house. But we made that connection 
That's what he was his hope for. He wants to be hidden. He wants to be concealed and covered, you know, because he's feeling a little bit exposed. When we're afraid, we feel a little bit exposed. We feel a little bit frantic. He wants that. But more than that, he says, but I want you to lift me up on the rock. And there are certain times that when we're afraid and we're frantic, everything feels a little bit slippery, doesn't it? And the idea that God will just take us and put us where it's solid, that's what we want. That's what his hope was. And he's, in, in light of that, his, his response was this. And now my... And now, my head shall be lifted up upon, up above my enemies all around me, and I will offer, and I will offer in his tent sacrifices with songs of joy. You know, that's why, have you ever noticed that sometimes when you're really afraid, a song comes into your head? Do you have some things on your playlist like that? You know? And all of a sudden, you know, and it's not another one bites the dust. That's not the song that comes to mind at the point, you know, you know, you know, it's it's usually something of great encouragement. God is creating a playlist in our heads. And I will sing and make melody to the Lord. Remember, remember when Silas and, and Peter were stuck in that jail, and it says they sang. At midnight? No, it was Silas and Paul. You know? They sang at midnight, didn't they? Here in the midst of being in the center of their enemies, in the center of their prison of the moment, they were singing their playlists. It's unnerving. Have you ever been nervous? Or just really intent on something and there's somebody humming in the room and you just want to go over to them and say, Stop it! But God gives us a playlist. And this is the hope and the protection. So what was his response? Obviously, he's not having a good day, right? Obviously, there are things that are bothering him. And this is his response. He says, Hear, O when I cry aloud, be gracious to me and answer me. He's saying, God, are you listening? I'm I'm struggling here. Hello? Is anybody there? All of a sudden it gets real because he goes from pontificating about this is how it can be and this is what I think. Reality is starting to, to, to rush in. This is what happens sometimes when we bow our heads to pray. Before we pray, we're like, God's got this. I'm going to be okay. But as soon as we let our emotions down and begin the conversation, a little bit more honesty is there. And we're saying something. And sometimes this is what we're saying. Hello, God. You notice I'm having a hard day? Hello? Hey. You know? It, it gets worse. He says this. He says, You said to me, seek your face. My heart said, My heart says to you, your face will I seek. Hey, God, I'm doing the right thing here. Talking to you. You said, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added unto me. You said that. I'm doing it. I'm seeking you. I'm doing, I'm doing it for my heart too. It's not just words. I'm not, it's not going blah, blah, blah. I really mean this. 
I'm very sincere. Because the reality is, is that we need to know that this is okay. We need to know that sometimes we try to go to our list and we try to go to the, all the right things and we're still afraid. We're still struggling. And we need to know that, that this is the honesty because occasionally you'll sit down with somebody and you'll talk to them about what you're going through in your life and they, even as believers, will go, yeah, you know, three years ago, blah, 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 blah. And it's like that you don't need their story you need them to enter into the emotions of how you're experiencing that moment. You know, I love the phrase of our church, trust God more. But there's occasionally times that we probably should think it in our head and not say it out loud because it's going to be hurtful to someone. Because it isn't that simple at that moment. And they're struggling and they're going to prayer. In fact, if you read on, it says this. Uh, he goes from just praying to kind of pleading, doesn't he? And he says this. He says, Hear, O God, when I cry aloud. Be gracious to me and answer me. God, God, please hear me. I, I need you to listen. I, I don't need you to tell me something right now. I just need you to listen. This is where I'm at. This is how I feel. He goes on and says, hide not your face from me. He goes further on and he says, turn not your servant away in anger, O you who have been my help. He's saying, okay, God, you know, I know that you have a track record, but I've kind of messed up a little bit too this time and, and I don't have it all together. And, and, and I'm, I'm really hoping that you're not conditional because I've experienced conditional before. You know what I'm talking about. People that you, you honestly go to for help, and instead of experiencing what you did with my boss at my last church, Pastor Evans, who was so gracious at that moment, you get the, well, you're in trouble then. That was pretty dumb. What were you thinking? You know, have you ever had people explain the obvious to you? Yeah. I can remember as a kid trying to learn how to pound a nail, and and I had about six of them. They were all bent, and someone looked at me and said, "You don't know what you're doing. Those are bent." Well, it's like, yeah, I'm aware of that. <laughs> Show me how to use the hammer instead of explaining to me I don't know how to use it. But there's a plea here: hide not your face from me; cast me not. Forsake me not, O oh God, my salvation. And here's why he felt that way. You see, sometimes the reality, we start thinking that God's like everybody else that disappoints us, right? And we humanize God and we forget that He's other. And at that moment we go, He's just like everybody else that is not here to help me right now. This reminds me of when I was a kid and I went through this and they weren't there for me. You know, there's a lot of people caught up in the victimization of this moment, aren't they? 
And so whenever things start going a little awry, they're going, fine. God's mad again. This isn't going to go well. And there is a great frustration that they have because of the experience. I don't know what your life experience is like, okay? I don't know what you go to at that moment, but I want to remind you that the God of the Bible is not human, and he isn't fallible, and he doesn't fail. He doesn't fail. He keeps his promises. He does what he says he will do. And we need to know that. Because we are surrounded by each other. And I fail on a regular basis. Even in the smallest things. I got a text on, 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 on Thursday and I was in the middle of something and I, I really couldn't answer it. So I hit that button. You know that one that says, sorry, I can't talk right now. But then I added, I'll call you tomorrow. And then I came to the next day, and at the end of the day, I realized I had not called. Because I'm fallible. But God is not like that. But he's concerned. All of a sudden, he went from the pontificating of this is God is there, he's there for me, to, the, to well, this is kind of where I'm at, and I'm a little nervous, and, and I'm afraid, and I don't know what to do. And, and not only that, nobody is ever kind of completely, ah! So then he gets specific, and he pleads for help. Teach me your way, O Lord. Teach me your way, O Lord. And lead me on a level path because of my enemies. You know? More than once I've watched the leaders of this church come together and ask the most important question in the middle of dealing with the situation. What's the high ground? How, how, what would God want us to do? What, what does that path look like? Because I know what my body is telling me to do right now. My body is telling me to say words that I cannot take back, right? Or to ignore the situation and hope that it won't go away. Or go get a Snicker bar. Because somehow Snickers satisfy. It says it right on the wrapper. But he says at this moment, I'm not sure what to do. So God, would you teach me your way? More than once, I've had people call me in a crisis, and I finally get to the point, I say this, what do you think God's telling you to do? And they say, well, this is what he think he's telling me to do. How do you feel about that? I'm not really comfortable with it, but I think he's right. Teach me your way, O oh God. Lead me on a level path because of my enemies. Don't you like that idea? Isn't it good to be the one that in the middle of your enemies is the level-headed one? You know? And to realize that God's created a path and that there's a way out? I don't think he lived in the Adirondacks because there's not a level path in the Adirondacks. But in the middle of his crisis, he's saying, God, can you make a straight way for me? Can you, can you show me the way to go? Can you show me what to do? He goes on and says this. He says, Give me not up to the will of my adversaries, for false witnesses have risen against me, and they breathe out violence. 
you know, in the middle of this, our enemies think they're prophets and they know what's best, don't they? This is how this is going to end up. And they try to make us more afraid. If you're listening to the election cycle right now, there's just a little bit of fear that they're trying to somehow weave into all of it, isn't there? But I like what he's saying, and if I were to make it simpler, what he's saying is this. Dear God, I don't want my enemies to win. I don't want them to win. I, 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 I want you to win. And more importantly, I'm going to be honest and say, I want me to win. <laughs> don't, don't give me over to that will. God, I'm, I'm seeking your way. I'm looking for your path. And that's what I want to take place. I don't want them. In other scriptures, it talks about the enemy and it talks about them going, aha, aha, I told you, see? He doesn't want that to happen. And so he pleads for help. In fact, I like the next plea. It's probably my favorite. He says this, I believe that I shall look upon the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. You know what he's saying here? Death is not an option. Isn't that cool? I believe your answer's not me dying and going to heaven. Because that's fleeing. I believe that here, somehow, in the land where we live, on earth, where we are, that I am going to see your solution. Your solution is not my martyrdom. Your solution is not my death. Instead, I'm going to live, and when I live, guess what I'm going to do? I'm going to praise you in the land of the living. Here's one of the things that I think that we have to be so careful of as Christians. I think that we have to be careful and realize that we're still going to be really afraid sometimes. And there are things that are going to make us anxious. In Philippians, it talks about that. It says, do not be anxious about anything. And if we ended it there, it'd be like, shoot, I'm in trouble then because I get anxious sometimes. But the next phrase says what? But in everything by prayer with thanksgiving, make your requests known to the Lord. And so we have this beautiful pattern here in Psalm 27 of of what we need to do when we're afraid. We have to start by declaring the truth that we know. And then we have to speak honestly about where we're really at. But then we need to end. And we need to end with just an honest pep talk. Wait for the Lord. Be strong. Let your heart take courage. Wait for the Lord. You know, this is the hardest part, I think, when you're anxious. When you're anxious, the biggest thing that you want is instant relief. But God is telling you to wait for it. Have you, have you ever gotten those videos where it says, you know, you watch the beginning of the video and they say, wait until, and then it gives a number. Because that's where the cool part of the video is. And sometimes you're like, mm. or you're like me and you go to like three seconds before that just to see it. 
But God is calling us to wait on Him because He loves saving us. He loves being our comfort. He loves being our guide. He loves winning. Yeah. He likes to show us the win that only He can do. But we have to be honest, but at the end of our prayer, we still have to go, but I'm going to wait on you, God. Instead of doing what we're like, we tend to do, which is, okay, God, we prayed, now where's the answer? Isn't it supposed to come now? But the key is starting to do some things. Is God your safe place? Is God your safe place? When you're anxious, when you're in trouble, is he your safe place? Does God have a record of helping you when you're in trouble? And can you be honest with him? And it's okay to be anxious again, okay? It's okay not to have it all together. My sister has struggled with cancer in her life. And every year she has to go for an exam to make sure that the cancer is still gone. And every year, even though she has been in remission for many years now, she's always a little bit anxious for that. And she'll always call me up or text me and say, hey, can you be praying for me? And I never text back, buck up, Joy. You know? I acknowledge the fact that these emotions are a part of life and God did not make us robots. And so we're going to struggle at times. Uh, we're going to go to Him and, and it is not a lack of faith to be honest with God and tell Him that you're struggling. Because I think that some people have taught us that. And that's a lie from the pit of hell. And yet we even need him to help us wait on him. Dear God, you haven't given an answer yet. I'd really like an answer. Help me to wait. That's why it says in Ephesians, when it speaks of the spiritual battle, after we have put on the armor and we've prayed, it says, and when you've done everything else, stand. That's hard, isn't it? You might even change that word in your scripture. And when you've done everything else, wait. Because God in His timing will do something absolutely incredible if we're willing to stand on the rock, take the high ground, and look for His rescue and the path that He's calling us to. Let's pray together. Dear God, I... I pray for everybody in this room. And God, it's not easy to wait on you. And for some of us, it's because we haven't scripted you well enough in our lives and we need to make you our safe place. We need to remember your faithfulness in the past. And we need to be more honest with you in the present. But more than anything, we need to wait on you. And God, there are some in this room 
that have never begun a relationship with you because at some point in their life they prayed and you didn't answer exactly the way they wanted. And we pray for them today that their circumstances or the way they've seen other Christians act, that it wouldn't stand in the way of their need for you to be their initial salvation. God, more than being just saved from the circumstances and the anxieties of their life, they need to be saved from the spiritual deadness that their sin has brought into their life. And so, God, we pray for those people today. And we pray that today they would ask you to be their Savior and they would move from the consequences of sin to the joy of being your child. God, that they'd humble themselves with a simple prayer and just ask you to be their Savior. God, teach us to wait on you when we're afraid. Teach us to go to you with our anxieties. May your cross, but more than that, the heart that you live in inside of us be that go-to place for us as we learn to have an honest relationship with you. God, I don't know what the fears and anxieties are that are capturing the minds of your people in this room and on our live stream today. But I pray, God, that this song would be added to their playlist as they use David's example to live holy in those times of fear. God, we pray this in your name. Amen. Oftentimes, the reason that God seems not helpful in times of fear is because he seems little to us. But we sang this morning about his greatness. And I think we should close by singing a part of that song again. So if you would stand up and put your mask on, let's close the service by singing this as a response to the Lord today.